When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for joining us this week on the Coaching Coordinator Podcast for our in-season series, which we're focused on defense, and we're calling it Defense with DC. Last year, it was Defense with DJ, DJ Elliott, who now is the defensive coordinator at Temple. And we're continuing the series with someone who's worked with him in the past, Dan Carroll, who is the defensive coordinator for the Michigan Panthers. Great to have you back on the podcast. We talked a few weeks ago and hinted towards this, and we're here. It's week zero of the college season and an interesting time for sure. Mickey, really excited to be here. I think it's uh, it's going to be a great season, great in the college game. It's going to be exciting. You know, watch, I already started watching the preseason football games in the NFL. I mean, there's plenty of football out there if you want to watch it. And, you know, excited to get this season rolling and, uh, watch it observe it from afar for the first time in the fall and and, uh, about 28 years for me it is going to be a fun season and and that's exactly what this is about we get to observe from afar but from you know the coaching lens we're able to see some things and pass along some tips and information that coaches can use right now in season to move their teams forward and and so today this focus is going to start with transitioning out of camp into the regular season you know you've you've had camp you've gotten used to that rhythm what those days look like what those practices meetings etc look like and now we got somebody here waiting for us at the end of the week so things start to change so when you think about that transition from camp to you know week week zero right now or week one for teams out there what are the things that come to mind that this is the approach you need to take to this you know, Keith, I think it's such an interesting time because every situation is so different. I mean, whether you're a high school program or a college program or you're coaching in professional football, you know, be it the NFL in the fall or, or another league, just the circumstances that you're under are so different is how much time do we have? Are we going to get a full week to prepare for the team that we play? Um, is Are we aware of who – it's going to be calling the plays. Like there's just so many variables to that. And I think, you know, when does school start for college operation? The big issue is always like, when does school start? Is it a week before the season? Are we going to go right into a game week? That's like a normal game week because the players have classes or, you know, does school start two weeks before our game week? I mean, there, there's just all these little variables. And I think that the scheduling, you know, especially in talking to younger players, I'm speaking mostly of the college experience here, but when you're talking about, 
18, 19, 20-year-old players that you're going to be counting on in this game and the ability to just create a schedule and make things very uniform for them, I think it's so important. And I, I don't know, you know, I think everybody works really hard on their schedules and, and they, I think most, most teams recognize kind of the importance of that. But just being able to create something that is uniform for those guys that, that makes a smooth transition into a game week is really important. I think that's paramount. And, you know, I think about from a from an approach standpoint, I think about my time at the University of Houston, you know, our first two years there. The very first year we were there in 2015, we played Tennessee Tech in the first game, 2015. And that was probably the best team we ever had. We were 13-1. and We won the Peach Bowl. And we had some great players and great coaches. And it was an incredible experience. But the the first game, you know, and the score might not look crazy, but I, we felt like in the first half, Tennessee Tech had really played us really hard and really well. And we played. And, I mean, they had scored on us. They had thrown the ball at will. Some of those things we look back and we're like, well, you know, they had done some things that we weren't really prepared for because we didn't really do anything other than practice for our offense until the week before the game. And that was, you know, kind of frustrating, and, and we learned from it and we grew from it. So fast forward 2016, we play University of Oklahoma in the first game. Baker Mayfield, D.D. Westbrook, great, great, great team, right? Great coaches, great players, great operation. And so we go two weeks before the game is our game week, normal game week. And the second week, we basically repeated game week uh, with a little less contact. And I think it had us in preparation for kind of some of the things that we would see in that game a little bit better than we did the year before. I think it's a great case study between those two years. So we go from giving up over 350 yards of offense or close to 350 yards of offense to Tennessee Tech in 2015 to beating Oklahoma in 2016. And I think a big part of that was how we approached the couple weeks leading into that. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. And I think a lot of it's going to be based on how veteran your team is, uh, how mature you think your players are. You know, we were fortunate to be able to do something like have essentially two game weeks in our training camp because about 80% of the team was returning starters. So, you know, I was concerned with maybe some of the things you might be concerned with otherwise. But, you know, I think those were two really important. You know, the first year we're just trying to get good at our stuff and we're practicing against our offense. And, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, we're right up to game week. We're going to play our offense and just keep practicing and practicing and practicing. And, you know, and maybe long-term that was helpful, but, you know, we almost, we played poorly. And then at the end of the day, almost lost the game to somebody that, you know, we probably shouldn't lose to or shouldn't even play poorly again. So I think that was something that, you know, I can look back at those two years specifically and how we grew from year one to year two and understand, uh, you know, maybe some different approaches to game one. Yeah. That's interesting in looking at those two things. And, and certainly there's that balance between we need to stay in camp mode and prepare and squeeze every bit out of, of the learning of this to we've got to start to provide them routine and get them into the feel of our, our first opponent. And obviously it paid off for you. And, and truthfully, that's something you look at this time of the year to be able to rehearse anything you do because you're doing it for the first time with that team regardless of how many guys you bring back the mix is always new right i i, I know very few yeah. teams who always bring back all 22 right i mean maybe that maybe yeah. that's happened but there's always just a new 
chemistry to it. So you do need, you can't take it for granted. You have to go through whatever those things might be from little things to, you know, I would always practice it with our team, with uh, our last inner squad before we would, we would head into our in-season week of, we would practice a halftime. What does that look like? What are the expectations for those guys who have never been in our locker room before at a halftime? How does it work? Where do they go? What kind of time are they going to have? I want them to have that feel. And there's a lot of things like that. So in looking at that, aside from halftime routine, what are the things you feel are, are really important that do you get that dress rehearsal before you do it for the first time? I've been a part of a lot of those type of dress rehearsals where you, you practice, I mean, the national anthem or, or whatever. I mean, most college operations are not for the national anthem, but you know, sometimes you are or whatever. Just, I mean, I, I think that's invaluable because I think you have to do whatever you can to just eliminate any of the anxiety from the players. It isn't about the game. I read a lot of things, but maybe it was Dave Aranda that had a quote or something recently about, you know, you're going to get on the plane and you might not be sitting where you want to sit. And then you're going to get to the hotel and you might not be rooming with who you want to room with. And, and just the list goes on of anxieties that go right down to where do I stand on the sideline? Where do we meet on the bench? Where do we meet at halftime? All those things like as coaches, as adults, especially, you know, again, speaking mostly in the college experience, but can, how can we eliminate that? How can we just keep the, the, the main thing, the main thing, and eliminate all those distractions. And I think those are important. I think some of the things that I think about a lot, like that maybe, and again, every situation is a little different, but uh, substitution on the sideline, I think is always something in the first game that if there's going to be a problem, it shows up. Like are the players in different personnel packages traveling with, you know, we call it the travel party, right? You're traveling. We always stay 10 yards, the signalers and the substitution guys, we stay 10 yards behind the football, right? That kind of gives us the perfect on first and 10, you're at the sticks. And then you kind of get the perfect angle for, for like the, the defensive backs on the other side of the field, right? That's where we like to stay, right? 10 yards behind the ball, 10 yards behind the ball. And like, or is the travel party traveling, right? And then, so, so we can get the subs in and out. Like that's one thing I think just, you know, there's, there's, inevitably in every first game there's at least one time somebody's calling for a personnel group and you know one of the players is not where they need to be so like the ability to just practice that and be able to make your your subs and transitions is is i think one thing that just gets overlooked a little bit and you know sideline operation and and headset operation you know everybody has a little different and everybody does like typically does a mock game or something where they're on the headsets, but sideline operation and headset operation for the coaches as to who's talking, when they're talking, who should be speaking, that type of thing, I think is so important because it just gets chaotic. And if there's not rules and nobody has set, hey, when we're on the field, the spotter's talking, and then the guy calling the plays is talking, everybody else shut up. And then when we get off the field, like, you know, these mics need to be up, these mics need to be down, like whatever the, whatever the coordinator and the head coach think is, is the right thing to do. But I think – that stuff is extremely important in sideline operation as to where the players need to be, where they expect to be, what you expect to happen when they come off, especially from a special team standpoint. I know I'm probably, you know, and I, I'm going to work on this as much as I can, but as a coordinator, I'm the worst at grabbing guys coming off the field and, and talking to them and trying to get information. And, and they're supposed to be on, you know, kickoff return. And I got the guy down there, you know, 25 yards away. 
right? So just being dialed into those things and working those things because, it, you know, it's just like anything for, for a coach or for a player. Like, we got to practice those things. We got to work those things. We have to have uh, it set in our head to make sure that those things are getting done the right way. Yeah, I, I love that idea of just calling it the traveling party, right? I think for anything you do, if you could have a name for something, then guys will remember when you say that on game day, you know, they're there and they're doing what they're supposed to do and following the procedures of, of whatever those things are that you set up. And it, it is about, you know, as you, you pointed out, I felt it was Coach Aranda who said it, you know, providing them some knowns, right? Providing them some consistency. So when you go on the road the first time, and maybe it is week one, right? What what does the sideline setup look like for you at a particular place? You know, when I was at the high school level, there, there's a lot of things you can't control. I mean, some places you go to, there's one little bench there. Well, you know, we wanted a setup where um, we could get our, our all of our guys together sitting down. And, and so for us, it became, hey, you know what? We're taking 11 folding chairs and they're going to be in a circle and they're always going to be in this place regardless of what stadium we're in. You know, little things like that, when you you have those operations that don't change no matter where you're at, right? Maybe you get into the late season and, and you're, you're playing, you know, at, at Ford Field, right? In Michigan, they play the state championships there. Just that consistency will settle your team down and it will take away that anxiety and, and and take away from them having to have a thought process of what the hell am I supposed to do right now? Yeah. You know, one thing and I, I kind of go back and, and I, I, when I thought about this, and I think about this quite frequently, actually, because I think getting off to a great start in football and, and great start to your season and winning the games you should early is really important. And, you know, I go back to the, the difference between 2015 and 2016 at Houston and in 2016, we played Oklahoma at NRG stadium where the Texans play. And we were able to do our mock game in the stadium, mm-hmm. in their stadium. You know, I'm not sure that uh, Oklahoma knew that or that that was, you know, <laughs> the right thing to do. But there's nobody to tell us we couldn't do it. So we did it. And the other thing we did was the whole camp, we painted professional dimensions on our field and ticked off where the, the same way it would be for that game. Yeah, smart. You know, and, and I don't think, you know, you can – minimize that and maybe for some players it's not a big deal okay these ain't the numbers these are the numbers but just the comfortability they had with hey you're gonna buzz out to the numbers in this coverage okay but the numbers aren't the numbers it's the tick marks right right Right, yeah okay and like and i don't know maybe oklahoma did that too i don't know maybe everybody does that who plays on a pro field in the first game but we did some of these little things that just took i think created a comfortability for our players in that game. And, you know, I think if you can do that, because for the most part, I mean, if you're at home, you're at home, but if you're on the road or at a neutral site for the first game, like you've been in your stadium, you've been in your practice facility for months and weeks and all summer, that's where they've worked out. And that's where they had spring practice. And they haven't been in somebody else's stadium since the bowl game last year. Right. If you were in a bowl game and if not, since, the, you know, whatever the last time was in the season, you were in somebody else's stadium. So I think that to us as adults who have been in a million stadiums and we've coached, in, you know, all over, and, and it's really easy to think like, well, it's not that big a deal. But I mean, for college players, I think that, you know, again, any any anxiety that you can relieve, release off of them and let them focus on what the task is and what the job is as, as a player you know, is substantially, I think, affects them 
their, their game substantially. So, you know, I think we, we took a lot of great steps in that year to be ready for that first game. And obviously it was a big game, but, um, you know, it taught me a lot between the two years for sure. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't discount the, the, the value of that, uh, of working on that field. Like I think to, to spring ball when I'm at BW and, you know, we, we're do we do all our spring ball in the Browns facility. So, you know, we're, a lot of what we did in the passing game on offense was landmark based, especially because we'd start with four verts on that first day. And, you know, you tell those guys, Hey, uh, here's, here's where our hash marks are on the field. And inevitably that first rep, I got guys running 18 feet, six inches apart rather than, you know, 40 feet apart. And it, it just drives you crazy. But, you know, when you haven't worked it, it's, it's not going to happen automatically. So I love that idea of how you, prep those guys of of just working on that kind of field i mean it's something something you take for granted right i mean thinking about a lot of the bowl games played in in professional stadiums same thing tick marks rather than numbers and and that'll screw you up really quick when you're used to seeing certain things and that's where you're going to yeah yeah for sure you know and just to be able to do the mock game i mean and you think about it for you know maybe for this coverage or that coverage but just think about special teams i think about lineup for the kickoff and, you know, who, who lines up for the kickoff? Well, you know, three out of ten of those guys that are out there, four of them, this might be the first college game they ever played. Right? They were at whatever high school last year, right? And now they're in an NFL stadium, and they're lining up for the kickoff, and they're nervous, and the numbers are four yards tighter than they would be, and, and you don't prep them, and you don't, you know, really practice it. Like they're going to just line up wrong, right? So – it is. Um, there's so many things like that that I think, you know, and I think that's what, uh, you know, it's a big part of what coaching really is, though, right? Is is anticipating these things and, and the issues that are going to come up for young men that, you know, have a lot of anxiety and play this game. And it's really important to be able to anticipate those things and, and, and you know, make a way for them to, to be successful. Yeah, and sticking with this theme of removing the unknowns, uh, a lot of times you end up in a situation well you you do always in your first game as i said before there's never a team that returns all 22 so you're going to face new guys they're they're going to maybe they'll do a lot of the same things but it might have a a little bit of a different twist to it or focus on it etc and you have limited film or no film on that sometimes uh, depending, you know, what level you're at and what you're able to, to get on a team. So there is that element of we think this is what they're going to do, but maybe they'll come out with something else. And as you get into the high school level, I mean, that, that could be a drastic change. You know, a team might find themselves in a situation. I, I just saw, you know, uh, a coach who took over a program here. I watched the game last week, and then the last time, you know, he, he took a couple of years off. The last time he coached, he was a spread RPO team. And I thought for sure I was sitting down to watch a lot of RPO that night, and he comes out in the wing tee because that's just the kind of guys he had, right? Nobody necessarily needed to, to run his RPO offense. You know, you run into those situations. I could think even, you know, first time we put in, you know, our, our zone running game-based offense when I was at the high school level, and we practice all week long for an even front, and they showed all their scrimmages, which we exchanged an even front, and they come out an odd front, right? So it's about, you know, you, you try as much as you can to take away some of the, of the unknowns, but you also have to prepare them 
to be able to face the unknown. So how do you find that balance, especially going into this week? Well, I, right before we got on the phone, I just saw uh, Coach Rich Rodriguez have a press conference accusing somebody, and I don't know, even know who the team was, of filming his practices. So that's one way. You know, you, you could go film the other team's practice. Um, but, no, I think I think there was a time in college football where, you know, you in March and April were studying opponents. And because, you know, maybe the coaching turnover wasn't quite as strong. And I think coaching turnover has always existed, but maybe not quite as strong as it is now. And, you know, I think at those times maybe – you were able to really spend a lot of time. But if you can, right, if you can spend time in the spring ball and in the summer, I think it's paramount to be able to do – to find the things that your offense is not going to give you in practice and be able to spend time on those things. Now, one thing we did at UMass, and, you know, I'm not going to say that it made us a great defense by any stretch, but, like, all the things like for the players that wanted to work out in the summer and they were running like scout seven on sevens with each other and just all the little things that the player led uh, summers happened, you know, in college football is all the cards that we gave them were route concepts that the first two games were going to show us that our offense wasn't going to show us. And we didn't even tell them that. I didn't tell them, Hey, this is going to be these guys routes, this guy's routes or whatever, but they were concepts. Like, hey coach, can we get some cards so we can go out and run routes against each other and play coverages? Yeah, here you go. Right. And they were the first two games route concepts. And I thought that actually helped us a lot. You know, I mean, there were some things that we did pretty well in those games uh, that, that helped us. So I think, you know, getting an early start is always great. But, like, when you don't know and you really don't know, I thought the, the most important thing that you can do is there's a difference between a call that you know and you can play and one that's truly game-ready. And if you just stick with what's truly game ready, what you can truly execute at a high level, what your players know, all the checks and anything formationally that can come out, whether, you know, in the college game it's unbalanced or whether it's empty or, you know, whatever it might be, the, the, the calls, like limiting the menu to what you truly know, no matter what gets out there, we can play these two, three, four calls. And I think it's important, and I say that because I think it's important to say that we have two, three, four, five calls that we can play versus everything. I think sometimes maybe, you know, if you have a larger package, and speaking defensively mostly, you have a larger defensive package, you, you might not have as many calls that you can truly play against everything, right? And you're trying to find the right calls versus this team and find the right call versus that team where, look, we've got to have a staple. And it ain't just one call. I think people say, well, what is our base? Well, I don't think your base is one thing, you know. I don't know that in today's game that your base can just be like, well, we're base cover three and we can play cover three versus anything. Yeah, well, if you play cover three 55 times in a game of 70 plays, you, people are probably going to find the things that stress you. Yeah. So whatever those base calls are, those four or five calls that you can really play, I think when you're uncertain, you have to, as a, as a coordinator, as a team, you have to feel that confidence that, like, we can revert back to those calls and we can play versus everything. And if they come out an empty, if they come out an unbalanced, if they come out in some two-back stuff we haven't worked a much, we know who to key, who to read, who to fit off of, and to play fast versus no matter what. And, you know, when you're unsure – I think you got to shrink the menu and you got to get it, you know, to where your players feel confident. 
definitely. It's always about execution and you know, you, you mentioned the base. It, it made me think of uh, a defensive court, really good defensive coordinator I, I worked with uh, when I was at the high school level and you know, we'd, we'd be in those games early season and have some really good players coming back and should be, you know, doing a lot of stuff and getting gashed on things. And then all of a sudden, you know, it settles down and they're making stops. And, you know, you, you click over, hey, you know, what'd you do, Don? Ah, we're just playing base. You know, just something to settle them down. For us, it was base. But whatever those things are, as you said, that you can execute, you know, going to those things rather than trying to have the perfect adjustment or perfect call, especially if you didn't get a lot of reps at it. Yeah, you know, I, I do believe that it's an old it's an old saying, and maybe, maybe it's corny, maybe it's uh, cliche, but more games are lost than won. And if you can't execute something, if you put your players in a vulnerable position where, hey, man, this is a great call versus these five things, but if they do one of these two things, now we might be in trouble. That's going to be a lot of stress on this player or that player or maybe a lot of stress on the secondary to get, get it adjusted out right. Then, you know, when that happens, if they find it, and the other coaches work really hard too. So what happens is if there's one or two things that you sit there and say, well, man, if they figure this part out, they're going to have us. They usually figure that out, right? So when that happens, now you lose confidence as a staff and as, and as a group of players. And that's probably the worst thing you can do. And I think the most important thing is like, keep confidence up and don't beat yourself early in the game, early in the season. Like those games are – so often lost, not won. And I just think from a defensive perspective, if you can execute, especially early in the year, then you got a chance. And I'll say this too, you know, and I know maybe I should cover this earlier, but like one thing I do believe in, I think is a good thing, is however you can do it, get after the quarterback early in the season. Yeah. Because most of the time that guy has not been hit for nine months. No, he's been wearing his – opposite colored jersey the whole time and had the, the halo of protection around him you know and that was i'll tell you one thing with that game against oklahoma at houston was you know we watched their spring game and they were like a quick whistle spring game they weren't even like full tackle to the ground which you know maybe that's what they thought they were i don't i don't have an opinion on on doing that but we were able to say look we know this guy ain't been touched for a year we know the last time he got hit was the bowl game. Like, we know that. We know nobody's messing with this guy. So we go down there, and on their first drive, they get into the low red. And our linebacker, Matt Adams, who's with the Bears now, he pops Baker Mayfield pretty good. And I think that changed the, the, the game a little bit, right? And it just changed. He was a little more antsy, right? It was the first time he'd been hit in a while. He got hit pretty hard. And I think the more you can get after that guy, he has not seen. I mean, you just think about how many times in, in a camp – you know, especially as a defensive staff, you said, man, a quarterback, he's really back there just patting the ball, you know, seven on seven, he's taking five seconds or, you know, it's, it's live drills and we're buzzing by him as a, as a rush and he's stepping up, stepping up and then, you know, throwing the ball down the field. And like the timing of all those things are not usually game ready from the offense until, you know, there are a few games in. I think, I, I do believe, that it's easier to get a defense game ready than it is an offense. And I think it takes a little more time, a little more live reps with an offense to get game ready than it does with a defense. So I think it's a defensive advantage in the first few games if you use it right. So looking at advantages, looking at this time of the year, one offense that can gain an advantage really any week of the year is 
an option offense, right? A true option offense. Always difficult to prepare for. Any defensive coordinator I've known who, who has had to prepare for it seems to not get a lot of sleep that week. And practice looks different uh, as far as, you know, structure of, of drills and periods, etc. And so one of the things I'm excited, you, you brought up the idea of in this series every week discussing some tips on how to defend the options. So I'll turn it over to you and your tip this week on defending the option. Well, Keith, I, every year in college that I've coached in college football, I've had to defend the option, whether it's Army or Navy or Air Force. I've played all three of them. Um, you know, and even in the D2 level, I, I played against, as a player, I played against Tony DeMeo at Charleston, who was shotgun option. Yeah. And um, so it, it is something I, I do, you know, I find I take a lot of pride in knowing a lot about, not that I've always had success or whatever, but I, I do really enjoy it. And, you know, the people, I, you know, I know Army, I know Army opens with Coastal. I know Navy opens with Delaware. Uh, I can't remember who Air Force opens with, but I know I prefer to play them later in the year. Some people prefer to play them early in the year. I don't know that you devote when you do play them early in the year. My experience has been I I don't know that you're truly going to devote enough time. So the people that play them early in the year, what you'll find is did they devote enough training camp time to playing them. And there's a real fine balance between I devoted enough time to prepping for the option to, all right, we have 11 other games, right? And we're not going to play the option 11 other times. So we got to work our other stuff. And I think when you do play early in the year, it should go all the way back to your spring practices and your summer workouts. Are we getting enough key read work? Are we getting enough uh, work at our, you know, however we're going to play our fronts and our, and our secondary support? Are we doing enough of that, you know, in the spring and in the summer? Because when we get to camp, I don't want to spend more than four or five days on it. And then we go into game week, we'll really hit it. But I don't believe that the best plan is to try to get an, a team ready for the option in one week. I don't, I don't think you should do that. I think you have to have some idea of what you're going to be playing, what you're going to be doing. It takes a lot of time and a lot of work. So you'll see, I think, when these teams play this first week, it'll be interesting to see how much they prepared. Because if they've been preparing for a while, they probably will have some defensive success against them. And if they haven't been, then, you know, you could probably see some, some pretty high scores and some pretty high rushing numbers. You know, I think that the, the academies, you know, they don't – the biggest issue is that they're not really – they're going to practice first odd front, they're going to practice first even front, they're going to practice first two high, they're going to practice first one high. And then aside from that, not a lot of their stuff's going to change. So they're always going to have the upper hand in that regard. But, you know, are the teams that play them are really going to be dialed in to practicing for them and, and trying to best you can recreate the speed. And the concern I always had with playing them early was, A, most time when you play them at the end of the year, they're on their second or third quarterback. It's very, very common. And you play them in the beginning of the year, you know, you worry about have you spent enough time, right? But when you play them at the end of the year, you also a lot of times in practice we spent Sunday afternoon, uh, Sunday evening practice, we would spend our indie time working option rules and principles, right? And then we would go into our other things. So I think it'll be interesting. I'm excited to watch those games. I'll probably scour through those three games as far as 
you know, who's really prepared, who's got great structures, who's really prepared, and how fast are their players playing? Because ultimately, I'm going to know how much time you spent working these things just by how fast your guys are reacting and how they're playing. Because, you know, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things in life that's it's simple, but it's not easy. And so once you learn it and you rep it and rep it and rep it, by the end of the game, if guys are really triggering and firing, then you probably spent some, some good time on this and, and made it pretty simple for them. Well, we'll have more game-focused discussion. Again, things that we can learn from, things that we can implement, whether it's drills or practice and how you do those things as the season goes on. And as I said, tips every week on defending the option. And Coach, I'm really excited about this series. I'm glad we get it kicked off here in week zero. And I definitely look forward to these conversations as the season goes on. Yeah, Keith, me too, man. Excited to, excited to see some football. And, um, excited for this weekend to you know, see some games that mean a little more than the NFL preseason. 